Look, tonight, I'm actually excited to share with you guys. I actually wanted tonight to be pretty casual, so, you know, make yourselves feel comfortable. Are you comfy tonight? Yeah. I found myself a little stool and a, and a, and a bench. You know, I was going to get a couch out here. I thought that might be pushing it a little bit too far. Uh, but as Pastor Sam mentioned, we're in the middle of Faith, Love and Hope Month. And what I wanted to do tonight was to uh, basically share a little bit of my testimony, share a bit of my story. Uh, and I had this idea this week that I wanted to share uh, 10 ideas that have changed my life over the last 15 years. And so I thought this is probably the best way to do it. And so you, if you're a note taker, you're going to love tonight. Uh, but about, about 12 months ago, I really felt uh, God said to me, I'd been in a job for about four years. I was a little bit restless. I was looking to, to make a change. And uh, after about 12 months of God telling me to be patient, I mean, uh, Pastor, um, Pastor Mitch Ramsey came here to preach one night. I took him out for dinner, just, you know, take him out for a feed. And we got to dinner and he said, Dave, God wants me to tell you that you need to be patient and wait. And I was like, that's the worst word I ever got. <laughs> and, uh, and so after about 12 months of people telling me I need to be patient, I was in the office one day and God said, it's time to shift gears. And uh, I, literally I was just walking to the photocopier and I, it wasn't audible, but it was so clear. I just heard God say, now's the time, now's the time to shift gears. And I, I believe that for us as a community, as a church, uh, but not just as a church, but as the community on the peninsula in the city of Brisbane, I believe that God's shifting gears. And, uh, and even though uh, they're not actually here tonight, Pastor Mark and Leah are in the US, I think between Nashville and, and North Colorado. Uh, but I really want to honor them because uh, as a church, I want to know whether you noticed it, whether you're feeling it, but we're shifting gears. Uh, we're, we're kicking off our 10th location in Nashville, which has already happened. Uh, where we've got facilities that are bursting at the seams because we can't fit more people in it. And so it's really exciting. And so uh, Faith, Love and Hope, wanted to share with you guys uh, some thoughts to help you shift gears because I really believe that uh, God's going to do something significant. So will you guys pray with me tonight? Father, I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your work in my life and in the lives of everybody here this evening. And uh, I pray tonight that as I can share some insights, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work to release wisdom and favor and prosperity in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. All right, 10 points. Uh, just so you know how I'm going to roll this out, I'm going to go one through to 10. And if I sat here and read, read chapter and verse for every point, uh, we'd be here until like 11 o'clock. And I'm pretty sure uh, I heard someone say that they're doing $5 burritos at Guzman. So uh, after the service, and so I didn't want to hold you guys up. And so I've got uh, passages of scripture that are noted down on my notes tonight. Uh, write them down. So if you're concerned that we don't actually preach the gospel and preach the uh, never-ending word of God, um, I'm going to actually have it on my screen. If there's a problem, uh, my email is davevanderpool01 at gmail.com. Uh, if you forgot that and you didn't write it down, uh, sucked in. Um, anyway, you guys good to go? All right, number one, wealth is the cake, mentality bakes. All right, wealth is the cake, the mentality bakes. When I was uh, 20 years old, uh, I walked into a church for the first time in about 10 years. I'd been to, uh, been to church uh, as a kid. My parents split up, you know, early teens, and uh, I'd been out of church, been away from God for about 10 years. 
uh, turned up at church, had, a, had an encounter with God, the only way I can describe it, and I knew that I had to make a decision to follow Jesus that night. And what changed in my life wasn't something that happened straight away, but the biggest change in my life was my mentality. Uh, I, for the first time in my life, I was exposed to new ways of thinking, to new ways of thinking about relationships, which was probably the most key thing uh, at the time. Uh, I was exposed to new ways of thinking about wealth and about finance. And so if you want to shift something in your life in regards to finance, the most important thing that you need to shift is your mentality. Uh, you don't actually have money problems. Uh, I don't have money problems. My money doesn't spend itself. Uh, if you've got a finance issue, you've got a mentality problem. You've got a, a way, an issue with the way that you think. And so uh, for me, uh, year on year, um, precept on precept, as the word would say, uh, I started to shift the way I thought. And that verse... Uh, Romans 12, 2 actually says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed to the way that the world thinks, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I went on this journey. I just said, I'm just going to jump in. Uh, I'm like an all or nothing kind of guy. And so I was just all in uh, for everything. And someone said to me, I think it was the second week there, uh, someone said, you know, hey, look, you need to tithe. And I was like, amen. I didn't even know what that was. Didn't even know what a tithe meant. But I was just like, point me towards the FPOS machine. I asked an old guy on the way back, I'm like, what's a tithe? And he said, it's a, it's a Hebrew word for a tenth. And so I was at like, what, like a tenth of like my grocery money or a tenth of what? And he's like, a tenth of your wage. And I'm like, all right, cool. I equated that to be one six pack and I could work that out at the time. And so I went up there and swiped my card. Uh, I was a second year apprentice. Uh, I cleared $220 a fortnight. I lived out of home uh, on that. I moved out of home when I was 16 years old. And so I went, up the, I went up the back and swiped my card. But if you want to shift your financial position, if you want to shift uh, wealth and prosperity in your life, the first thing you need to change is your mentality. And so wealth is the cake that mentality bakes. Number two, uh, wealth isn't just money. And this is a really sobering point for me because I'm always astounded by the amount of uh, rich people that I meet that aren't very wealthy. And... We see that in society. People often ask me about this. And one of the things that I've noticed is uh, because we're not all rich, we often all tend to assume that if we had money, it would fix our problems. And yet if we look at culture, we realize that can't be true. Uh, we look at people that are wealthy. We look at movie stars. We look at celebrities. We look at sports people that obviously have a lot of money. And we realize that money doesn't fix their problems. Uh, and, and one of the things that I find really sobering is the fact that Often people that are, are rich, people that have a lot of finance, are often the people that need God the most because they've realized, they've actually come to the realization where they have excess money, they realize that money can't fix all their problems and at that point they realize that they are desperate for solutions because money doesn't fix every problem in life. And so it's really important to understand that wealth isn't just money. And so, you know, your, your health is important. Uh, your family's important, your relationship is important, and we often sit around going, I wish I had more money, but if you had all the money in the world, you'd probably realize that it didn't fix everything. And so it's really important to get your head around the fact that it's great to want to grow in your wealth, it's great to want to grow your finances, uh, but I consider myself uh, in a relatively modest position financially, but a very wealthy man. Uh, I've got a beautiful wife, I've got some amazing kids, I've got a, got a roof over my house, 
Uh, I've got some money to put some food on the table. <laughs> that little guy waving at me in the front row. I sighed him. Um, and, uh, we're, you know, we're part of an amazing church in an amazing nation, and we're so blessed. And so whatever happens, never forget that wealth is about a lot more than, than just money. Uh, number three, get educated. Uh, <laughs> and I, I kind of had this in two categories. Uh, you need to learn about finance. The, the finance pop-up course that we're running, uh, my wife and I actually did this course uh, five and a half years ago. Uh, amazing couple, Ash and Karen Gula, the principal are, uh, principals of an amazing uh, law firm on the Sunshine Coast. Very wise, uh, very wealthy. We ran their course, uh, yeah, five and a half years ago. We were $37,000 in the red uh, of accumulated credit card and car loans. Uh, we had no money in the bank. We had very little super. And we were actually going backwards. We didn't know it, but week on week, uh, we were actually racking more debt up and didn't realize it. And so we did this course, and uh, my wife was like a woman on a mission. She's like, we're going to kick this. And so we put some pretty radical steps into place. Uh, we got educated about finance. And, you know, four, three and a half years after that, we put a deposit down for our first house. Uh, we moved into that house two weeks ago. And so uh, we, it's, that's good times. Uh, and so, you know, thank you, Jesus. But it happened because we got educated. We, we had to actually go and learn about finance. And so if you've got a credit card uh, and you don't understand how the interest on your credit card works, you probably shouldn't have one. Um, that might sound a bit brutal, but that's the reality of it. And, and the flip side of that coin is to actually get educated about people. And that might seem a bit odd, but one of the things that happens really often is that people come to me and they say, hey, I'd love to help out at church, uh, but I'm actually not very good with people. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. And we obviously want to help everybody. And so we're like, yeah, we'd love to have you on team. Some people are so shy, they just want to shake hands, not even say anything at the door. Uh, but the truth is, you've got to learn about people. You have to learn about relationships. You have to learn about communication. And when you go into the workplace, uh, you know, I uh, met my wife. I learned a lot about women. And so, you know, now I go to work and I understand things about my colleagues because I have a wife. I understand how women work. They're very different to me. Uh, and so these things are really important. But if you're going to get somewhere in your life, you're going to get somewhere with your finances, you need to get uh, educated. <coughs> Right, number four. Embrace the pain. <clears throat> no, no one likes that. All right, embrace the pain. Uh, there's a there's a passage in First uh, Leviticus 25. It talks about something called the year of jubilee. Has anyone heard that? Anyone know what the concept of the year of jubilee is? Real, real short. Basically, uh, Jesus came up with this idea, or God came up with this idea for the nation of Israel that after 50 years they should cancel all their debts and so all property would revert back to its previous owner uh, anyone that was a slave would be set free <clears throat> sorry and it was a big party right and so everybody thought it was awesome and I, I see people now that get this idea and they're like how good's the year of jubilee uh, we're gonna you know all the debts are cleared <clears throat> excuse me, uh, all the debts are cleared, uh, all the slaves are set free, it's a wonderful time, but the thing that they forget <laughs> is that, <laughs> excuse me, um, property reverts back to its original owner, right? So that means if you buy a house and you don't pay it off in 50 years, your debt is wiped free. Who knows, that's a good thing? But your house reverts back to the previous owner. 
okay? Now, that might seem a little bit savage, but that was God's way of resetting the finances. And the truth is a lot of people find themselves in that situation where for whatever reason, whether it's bankruptcy, whether it's bad financial decisions, that they have a reset in their finances. And God spoke to me once about the, about the GFC and said, look, this is actually a reset and it's not all bad. And I said, God, how can that be? And he spoke to me and said, for a lot of people, this is just the reset that they need. If they can embrace the pain and shift the way their mentality, if they can shift the way they think, I can bless them through a situation that might look negative. But if we can't embrace the pain and shift the way that we think about a, about a situation that we might perceive as negative, God can't turn up to bless you until we shift the thinking and embrace the pain. Uh, number five, you've got to play the long game. We are, we're playing the long game if you look at our plans for the building. We've got plans there for 10 years. We, we might not be able to fund it for a few, but we've got a plan for 10 years. And the truth is, if you ask Sam, he doesn't have a 10-year plan. He's probably got a 30-year plan. He just doesn't want to scare you to yet. <laughs> right? And so you've got to play the long game. My, my personal conviction is, you know, the Bible says that we need to plan for our children's children. And I think that's kind of the minimum. I reckon you need to have about a 300-year plan for your finances. Because the truth is, if you live to, you know, the standard, you know, average age in Australia, which I think is about 72, you're at least going to see your children's children. And so if you don't plan, at least for your grandchildren, you haven't even grasped the, the effect that your finances are going to have just on the people during your lifetime, okay? And so I have a conviction that we need to plan two and three hundred years ahead so that we can lay the foundations for something that will be reaped in two or three hundred years' time. Uh, one of the things about Australia is that we're a very young country. And so in, in comparison to other places in the world, obviously, and we don't have this uh, idea of millennia, this concept of generations is still quite foreign to Australia because if we, you know, look at a historical building, we'll go back and look at something that's 200 years old and we go, oh, that's a really old building, you know. If you're, from, if you're from Europe, you go and look at a building that's, you know, a thousand years old, a cathedral that was built to honour God 1,500 years ago that stands today as a testament to what the generosity that God placed in someone's life, the, the craftsmanship that God put in someone's life 1,500 years ago that they decided to outwork, to impact your life 1,500 years down the track. And so... If you want to do something, you've got to play the long game. <coughs> All right, number six. You're going to love this one. Uh, <clears throat> there's a difference between an offering and a sacrifice. You know, this one, these are all the really lovely, fluffy ones, you know. Uh, I don't want to give God anything that doesn't cost me. I don't, want to, I don't want to give something to God that doesn't cost me. In the Old Testament... Uh, there were, there's all these different offerings that are described, but once a year you had to make a sacrifice. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the lamb that was the smallest lamb at the back of your paddock. It was the prize lamb out of your entire flock. And it had to be brought to God. It had to be sacrificed and it had to be done meticulously. And it really makes me realize how much it's important that we understand there's a difference between something that we sacrifice 
and something that we offer up because a lot of people can offer something but not everybody can sacrifice something and so for me <clears throat> I love and hate faith love hope at the same time because I love it and at the same time I know that it's going to challenge me every every year I want to be challenged every year I want to give till it hurts and I know if it doesn't hurt me I'm not giving enough and so my wife and I sit down and uh, you know we do it every year and we start to throw some numbers around and I really hope uh, this never happens but I hope that I'm the one that throws out the big number you know I'm like we're gonna do we're gonna do this many thousand dollars this year and she's like oh wow you're so godly and uh, <clears throat> normally what happens is I'll throw a number in and then she's like we should double that and I'm like that's just ridiculous but that's normally what ends up happening but the truth is <clears throat> that's 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 just how we roll but regardless of what number we end up in, it's got to be a number that hurts us. It's got to be a number that stretches. I love what Pastor Mark said tonight about faith, love, and hope. His, his desire, his vision is that we would stretch ourselves. And so every week, I want to be stretched. Every, every year at this time, I want to be stretched to go, how much faith have I got? What, what can I believe for? Those things that I thought I might need to put aside for a rainy day, can I believe that God would fill them and I can sow into something that would last some generations. And so, <laughs> do it, do it till it hurts you. Uh, number seven, don't fill up on the entrees. This is a really important lesson uh, for young people if you ever go to a party. Don't fill up on the entrees, all right? When I was young, uh, the only restaurant I ever went to was the Nambour RSL. And so when I got older and went to a nice restaurant that had entrees, I didn't know what to do. Uh, that's got nothing to do with my message tonight. It's just one of those important life lessons. Um, <clears throat> but my point is, uh, eternity lasts a really long time. Eternity lasts a really long time. And the Bible says, uh, don't store up for this life, but store up for eternity. And so baffles me to see people trying to cram everything in regards to finance and prosperity and life into 60 years knowing that eternity is going to last for a really long time and so every concept uh, every mentality about finance uh, every mentality about family about relationships uh, every mentality about righteousness that doesn't put into context that God that we are going to live with him for eternity devalues what I'm trying to do in my life and so you know Pastor Sam quoted this morning he said if you aim for heaven you'll get earth thrown in if you aim for earth you'll probably get neither and so don't waste something in your life trying to achieve something in 60 years and sacrifice what God wants to do in your life in eternity so don't fill up on the entrees uh, this is a, a really big one for me uh, number eight operational not just financial excellence okay operational excellence I believe this is going to be one of the things that is going to shift uh, nations and businesses over the next 50 years as the kingdom is established around the world and the shift is this businesses are called excellent because they make a lot of money but we're starting to see a shift now where businesses are called excellent because they actually operate excellently. And so I believe no matter who you are, whether you run a company, whether you're an employee, whether you flip a burger, everything that you need to do needs to be done with excellence. 
Uh, if you read the story of one in First Kings chapter 10, is the story of the Queen of Sheba. And it's an amazing story where the Queen of Sheba turns up as a guest uh, to meet King Solomon. <clears throat> King Solomon shows around the kingdom and she's obviously overwhelmed by how prosperous and how wealthy this man is. But the thing that gets her over the line, if you read the story, is actually the small things. It's actually the excellence of the operational duties that actually make her go, there's something different about this group of people. And, and as a church, we're very passionate about this, that, that everything that we, we do would be done excellently so that if anybody walks in our doors, they can go, I don't know what they did differently, but when they registered us for that finance pop-up group, it was done so well. And so I believe we need to shift our thinking from we're not just successful if we make money, we're not just successful because you're good looking, but you're successful because you do things well. And, and you can take, like I said, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you're doing, you can take that back to work with you on Monday. If you want to find something in life that will shift you in your finances, in your thinking, in your relationships, don't worry about the end result, but focus on what you can do well and God will look after the rest. Uh, number nine, I think this is probably my, my favorite. It's definitely the one that has had the biggest influence on my life, especially over the last 10 years. But uh, if you want to shift something in your life in terms, of your, in terms of wealth, you need to push boundaries. It's not uncommon for me to meet someone that's in a position where they need something. And when you challenge them about what, what is possible, what is achievable, they tend to come back and say, well, you know, I'm, this, I'm, I'm stuck with this. You know, this is my lot. Uh, you know, I'm a single mum. This is all that's achievable. And you've only got to look around the world to realise there's some pretty extraordinary people that have done things out of some pretty ordinary situations. And so if you really want to kick some goals, if you really want to shift something, you've got to push some boundaries. You've got to shift the way you think to go, I never thought that was achievable, but maybe it is. Uh, I've actually personally never applied for a job that I was qualified for. Um, I've been in the workforce now for 20 years, got my first job at a corner store when I was uh, 14 and a half, uh, and I served people at the counter, uh, sold cigarettes and made sandwiches. That was my job. Uh, applied for an apprenticeship. I wasn't qualified for it, but it just took me long enough and I knocked on enough doors that someone said yes. Uh, <laughs> I finished my apprenticeship. I decided I wanted to go and work in the mines because I just thought it was a cool idea. Had never been there, uh, but it sounded awesome. They said I could make lots of money. So I went out there. I applied for a job that I was completely unqualified for. Uh, long story, you know, God provided for me. Uh, I met a guy in the morning. I bumped into him the next day. He said, go and see this guy. I went and saw him and he gave me a job on the spot. I wasn't qualified for that job. Uh, three years later, I decided to apply for a supervisor's job in a large uh, mining workshop. Uh, I spoke to a friend of mine that worked there and he thought I wanted to go and work on the tools. I'm like, no, no, I want the supervisor's job. And he said, you're not qualified. I'm like, that's why I'm applying for it. And so I applied for it. I got the job. Uh, two years later, I moved back to the Sunshine Coast. I went in to, a, to apply for a sales job because I had a background in mining equipment. The guy said to me, you've got no sales experience. I said, look, that's fine. I can do it. Uh, and he gave me the job. Uh, I left that job to take a quite a senior sales role and I was really upfront and said, look, I'm just really passionate about the job that you're advertising. Uh, I want to do it. I love sales. I love equipment. Uh, you know, I haven't done what you need me to do, but I reckon I can do it. And they gave me the job. 
Uh, and then I, most recently last year, I decided that I wanted a, a like a senior management role. And I just spent, a, you know, we spent so much time in church learning about leadership, I figured I should get a job doing it. And so I started applying for jobs. And this was, this was when God said to me, it's time to shift gears. And I said, I'm just going to keep applying. And uh, people say to me, you know, like, you know, how did you do this? How did you get the job? You know, how did you do this? You're young. I'm pretty much, uh, with the exception of two of my employees, I'm younger than everyone that works for me. And, uh, and they said, how do you do this? And I said, well, I just keep applying for stuff that I'm not qualified for. I keep pushing the boundaries. Uh, I, God said, change gears. I said, I'm going to do it. I knew exactly what job I, I wanted. And so I applied for it. I applied for 40 jobs. I got two interviews and took one job. And someone said, how did you do it? And I said, well, I just kept pushing boundaries. And it didn't matter if I put in 20 resumes or 200 resumes. I knew that if God said it, it had to be true. And so I just kept pushing until it came through. And so, come on, how, how good's God, right? And so, it's how I got to where I am. Uh, I'm not the most intelligent dude, but if you just keep pushing boundaries, it's surprising what God can do if you'll have the faith to believe that He'll promote you. Uh, and I need to add this in there as well. You know, I, I, I've had more, I get more professional development in church in a month than I see CEOs get in the business life in a year. If, if you want to learn about business, you want to learn about wealth, you want to learn about uh, prosperity, join the host team. You know, you want to you learn what it takes to lead a company, come to Soul Night. Uh, you you want to know what it's like to stand up in front of a group of 200 corporates and, uh, and deliver a message about safety for 15 minutes, um, get up here and, and do something on stage for five. You know, you, you'll learn more. People are astounded by this. And it, to be honest, this pop-up group is a great example. You know, Ash and Karen are, you know, multi-millionaire owners of an amazing law firm that travel all around the world. Uh, and you can come and do their course for $25. Um, you know, like, imagine what their legal fees would be like. And, and yet you can do this in the church. And if people knew... That's why we always encourage people to invite your friends. If people knew how good this was, you wouldn't be able to keep them out. The value is so good. There's so much value in it, and it can shift you so far in life. Uh, it's, it is pretty awesome, and so we're blessed to be part of an amazing church. And I'll wrap it up with this. Number 10, uh, if you can handle wealth, you might be ready for something valuable. <clears throat> if you can manage wealth... Uh, you might be ready for something valuable. Uh, Winston Churchill made this quote once. He said, if you want to test the mettle of a man, um, don't give him hardship, but give him prosperity. Because he knew that it was easy to test the character of a person, not by the hardships that they suffered, but by the blessings that they encountered. And so if you want to qualify, I, I really believe that in stewarding wealth, in stewarding the way we approach our giving, our finances, uh, it is a trainer for the things that are really value, that really are valuable in the kingdom. You know, you think about what Jesus did, you think about the miracles that he did, the power, the authority, the miracles that he delivered, it really makes the idea of money kind of pale in comparison. And so I really believe... <laughs> For us as believers, if we can master this well, there are riches so much greater than wealth, so much greater than prosperity, and riches that will not be stuck in this life, but riches that will echo into eternity because we could steward something well 
and God said, I'm going to qualify you to go and do something more, to actually go and do something that he can't give to anyone other than those that steward what they've been given well.